We're grateful for the opportunity to be together. We are thin tonight, and I am well aware of the fact that the Super Bowl is going on right now. And I suspect that there are some that yielded to temptation and stayed home. But I'm glad that you're here, and it is a blessing to be here, to have the opportunity to worship God in spirit and in truth. As always, we appreciate those who are visiting. We invite you to come back to be with us at every opportunity that you have in this life. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus talked about one of the prerequisites to becoming a disciple of his. That prerequisite is self-denial. One of the most difficult things to do in this life is put to death self in favor of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He is, as Paul would acknowledge in 1 Timothy chapter 6, the King of kings and Lord of lords. God does not ask any more of us than what he has asked of his son. When I think about some of the characteristics of Jesus, I see someone that was willing to live a life of submission, servanthood, and sacrifice. And that's what the Lord demands of us. I want to talk tonight for a minute or two about the crucifixion of the king. And the crucifixion of the king that I'm talking about has to do with self. The crucifixion of the king called me, myself, and I. Because I believe that in many instances we get in our own way when it comes to serving the Lord. And so tonight I want us to think about some of the characteristics of putting to death the king of self. As we look at our, les as, as we look at our lesson tonight, I want to just very briefly make this observation. Jesus Christ has left us a great example. I think all of us would agree with that. Peter said that Jesus has left us an example that we should follow in his steps. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 at verse 1 that we are to be followers of him even as he followed or imitated the Lord Jesus Christ. And so tonight as we look at this lesson, I want to just, I want to begin by asking you to look around. There are obvious seats that are empty. There are people that could be here, should be here, but they're not here. What I want to ask you to do is to take someone under your wing and make it a priority over the course of this year to help them develop spiritually. In many ways, this lesson would be applicable to every Christian. Jesus Christ called 12 men to be his disciples. Those 12 men later 
pared down to 11 as a result of Judas Iscariot betraying the Lord. His office was later filled, and then the Apostle Paul was added to the apostleship. But through these men, the Lord basically turned the world upside down. When I look around tonight, I see what I would call our core group. If this church is going to be what it ought to be, and if it's going to grow and abound, it's going to entail those of us who are here tonight making that happen. There are some folks, they're weak spiritually. They're not where they need to be. And so what we have to do is try to take them under our wing and get them where they need to be. And so tonight as we begin this lesson, I want to ask you to pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful for the opportunity to read and study your word. As we think about what it means to be a disciple, our prayer is that each of us would live a life devoted to your service. And Father, we pray for every member of this congregation, those who are not here, May they recognize the need to be here. And may we be an example to them. May we encourage them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we begin our study tonight, the crucifixion of the king called me, myself, and I, I want to begin by talking about the fact that it's going to require a life of submission. Jesus Christ, while upon this earth, identified as a king. And King Jesus demonstrated a life of submission, a life of obedience to the will of the Father. In John chapter 4, Jesus would say, My work is to do the will of him who sent me. In John 6, verse 38, the Lord would say, I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of my Father, which is in heaven. There's a passage in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 10, it is really a quotation from the Psalms. And the writer there takes that passage and makes application to Christ. Where Jesus said, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Jesus came to do the will of God. What was that will? To give himself as a ransom for sin? What is it the Lord wants from us? A life of submission? You remember Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Really the basis or the motivating factor behind our submission to God is our love for him. There are a lot of, there are a lot of things that might serve as a catalyst for somebody honoring the word of God. But if we're going to be what we ought to be, if we're going to be where we ought to be, then love is going to have to be that motivating factor. 
John said in 1 John chapter 5 at verse 3, This is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. Some translations say they're not a burden. In other words, we keep the will of God because we love Him. As Jesus said, the first and great commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. When people genuinely love Almighty God, then they're willing to be submissive to His will. And then add to that the factor called loyalty. We have to be loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember Peter and John? When they said on one occasion, we ought to obey God rather than men. Our allegiance is to the Lord. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. I love the Lord. And because of that love, I'm willing to do His will. But there's a sense of loyalty to Him that transcends any sphere on planet earth. Are we to be amenable to the laws of the land? Absolutely. We live in a country that has been blessed in so many ways. But the law that trumps all laws is the law of God. So my allegiance is to the Lord and to His law. As a matter of fact, James identifies this law as the perfect law of liberty. In James chapter 1, verse 25, it's identified as the law of Christ in Galatians 6, at verse 2. So, in order for me to put to death this king called me, myself, and I, I've got to understand that submission is a prerequisite to being a disciple of Jesus. And then there is the requirement of servanthood. When King Jesus came to earth, he arrived to do what? To serve the human family, didn't he? Do you remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for the many? Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus took the form of a servant being made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, yes, even the death of the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated a life of service. In John 13, I hear the Lord say that the servant is not greater than his master. All of us as New Testament Christians are servants. However, if you go back and you look at, for example, the Roman Empire, there were thousands upon thousands of individuals who were slaves. And they lived the duration of their lives as slaves. It was not voluntary. However, our service to Almighty God, our service in the kingdom of God is voluntary. We willingly serve the Lord. We'll never be what we ought to be as servants in the kingdom of God until it becomes a labor of love. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, he wrote to people that had turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 
In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, he talked about how he prayed for them constantly, regularly. And then he said, when I call to remembrance your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the sight of God our Father. Those who were a part of the church at Thessalonica, they were involved in the work of the kingdom, but it was a labor of love. What was it that motivated them? I think it was love for God, love for his kingdom, a desire to serve. In Hebrews chapter 6, the Hebrew writer said, God is not unrighteous to forget our work, listen to him, and labor of love. Christianity ought to be a labor of love. If love is lacking in our Christian life, it's going to be hard for us to be motivated to serve in the kingdom. I said a moment ago that Jesus said in John chapter 13 that the servant is not greater than his master. What is it the Lord desires of me to be a servant? Read the writings of the Apostle Paul. It's interesting to me that he will introduce himself in some of his epistles by identifying himself as what? As a servant, a bond servant. It was voluntary. Now as we think about serving the Lord, there are really two areas. The first has to do with the spiritual needs of man. And really, the spiritual needs of man are first and foremost. Listen to what Jesus said. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. We have to take the gospel to the world. I want to ask you a question. Do you know somebody that's not a Christian? Do you have a friend or family member that is not a part of the body of Christ? Could I encourage you to reach out to that person over, this, over the course of the next few months? Reach out to that individual and try to, try to study the Bible with them. Ask them to attend the worship services with you. Make it a point to reach out to the lost. If you look at the book of Acts, you have to be impressed with the astounding growth of the early church. I mean, when you begin reading the book of Acts over and over again, what was going on? Souls were being saved. People were being added to the body of Christ. Some have said in the first century there may very well have been some 60 million Christians. Whatever the case, we're talking about a lot of people. How did that happen? Somebody had to take the gospel to the souls of people. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. If we're going to make a difference in this community, in this county, in this state, in the world in which we live, we've got to reach out to people with the gospel. 
And then in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, Jesus said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Here's a second way that we can be involved in the lives of people. First, we evangelize them, and then secondly, we edify them. That is, we build them up in the faith. How do we do that? By God's Word. You remember when the Apostle Paul met with the elders of the church at Ephesus? And he talked to them about his service in that city. He spent some three years in the city of Ephesus preaching and teaching the gospel. In verse 32 he said, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able, listen to him, to build you up. There are a lot of people who are a part of this church right here that need to be built up in the faith. This is the time of year when people, are, people have already made their New Year's resolutions. One of those resolutions is to get fit, to get trim, to exercise. Well, I would grant that there are some people that need to exercise, but there are some folks that need to exercise themselves spiritually. Paul said bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. So as a part of the church here, and we think about the nucleus that we have together tonight, what we need to do is try to take somebody under our wing and build them up in the faith. You know, Peter said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We can encourage, we can pray, we can plead, we can persuade. We can write notes, we can make phone calls, whatever it takes to encourage people to be what they ought to be, to be a servant. That's what we're supposed to be, a servant. So we serve the spiritual needs of others. Now, there are some folks, they have been baptized into Christ, but as Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, they've forsaken the right way. They're not faithful to the Lord. So we have the opportunity to reach out to them. You remember what Paul said in Galatians 6.1? Those who are spiritual, what are we supposed to do? Try to reclaim the lost. That is, try to bring them back into the fold. If you know somebody that's not what they ought to be, and it may be the case that there's somebody that you work with, you go to school with. It might be somebody in your neighborhood and you know for a fact they're a member of the church, but they're not faithful. And maybe they're not even a member here. You can work on that person. You can encourage them to come to services with you. As a matter of fact, you have to reteach them. And then there are the physical needs. The physical needs that we as a congregation of people or we as individuals, as we seek to meet those needs, we can use that as a doorway to teach them the gospel, can't we? The Bible says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. The idea is that we render aid to those who have needs. 
Paul said, let us, as we have opportunity, do good unto all men, especially them which are the household of faith. And then in Galatians 6, 2, Paul would say, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Paul would say in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, that we are to weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. As a child of God, I have the opportunity to meet the needs of other people. Do you remember Jesus when he talked about that great and final day in Matthew 25? He said, I was hungry. What would you do? You fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. He said, I was naked and you clothed me. I was a stranger. You took me in. I was sick and in prison and you visited me. What were these people doing? They were serving to the best of their ability. And so to become a servant, to view ourselves as servants. And then there is a third thing that I would call attention to. And that is the demand for sacrifice. I hear a lot of folks talk about the things they need, the things they desire, the things they want. I hear folks talking about what others can do for them. What is it the church needs today? It needs people who are willing to submit to the will of God, who are willing to be servants of the Most High God, and it needs people who are willing to make some sacrifices. And really, here's where we get into trouble. Because the hard the hard truth of the matter is there are a whole lot of folks that aren't willing to make the necessary sacrifices to be what they ought to be. Now we talk about the crucifixion of the king called me, myself, and I. Let me tell you what. Selfishness gets in the way of selflessness and sacrifice. You remember the apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2? I referenced this passage a moment ago. Paul said, have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus who existing in the form of God counted not being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, listen to him, but emptied himself. Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven. He left that association that he had enjoyed with God the Father from time eternal and came to earth Divesting himself in many respects of some of the characteristics or qualities that he had enjoyed throughout time. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 talks about how Jesus became poor so that we might be made rich. I want you to know, I can't fully comprehend the fact that the second member of the Godhead, the Logos, the Word, I can't fully fathom the fact that He was willing to empty Himself and come to earth, tabernacle among men, and then be lifted up by His own creation. I can't, I can't fully wrap my mind around that. But I know that He did. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice when, as Paul said, 
He took the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Yes, even the death of the cross. The very creation that Jesus was responsible for. What they do to him? They killed him. They put him to death. Jesus, King Jesus, made the ultimate sacrifice. So does he have the right to say to me, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow after me. Oh yes, he has that right. He is the son of God. Jesus is asking of me to make some sacrifices. And many times, we as his people are unwilling to make the necessary sacrifices. What kind of sacrifices would I be talking about? Well, there are some things that the Lord asked of me. Specifically, the Lord Jesus wants to use whatever talents I may have for him. That is, the Lord needs manpower. That's where you come in. That's where I come in. We are the hands, feet, and mouth of Jesus, are we not? The Lord needs manpower. He needs individuals who will rise up and be servants of His. And let me just say this. When we talk about the king's business and we talk about the things that are going on in this, in this world, and I understand, I know, there are a lot of things that are pressing there are business interests, there are professional pursuits, there are a lot of things that occupy our time. And sometimes we give precedence to those things over spiritual things. The Bible says the king's business requires haste. There's a sense of urgency connected with the work we're involved in. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus asked a question on, on one occasion. Why do you stand here idle all day? There are lots of things that can be done. What the Lord needs, He needs me to be willing to use whatever talents I have for His good and His glory. He needs manpower, doesn't He? He needs every single person working together. Every single person in the church is extremely important. It doesn't matter if we're young or old. It doesn't matter if we're male or female. What matters is that we join hands together and work. So he needs my manpower, and then he needs my minutes. That is, he needs my time. Again, carving out some time for the Lord. Isn't it interesting how we have time for work? We've got time for ball. We've got time for our hobbies. We've got time for this. We've got time for that. But we don't have time for the Lord. We have crowded the Lord out of our busy lives. I want you to think about something. We're only going to be here for a short period of time. At best, you might live to be 100. You may even exceed 100. But let me tell you what. Unless Jesus comes, you'll be a statistic. One day your body will reside in the cemetery. Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me. The night is coming when no man can work. 
time's coming when you won't have the opportunity to work any longer. Either death will intervene. It might be the case that you become disabled mentally, physically, whatever. You've got to use the time you have to advance the cause of Christ, to be a busy member of the kingdom of God. There are lots of folks that are members of the church and they can look back over their lifetime and they, they've been faithful, they've been serving and working. You think they regret that? I've never talked to a Christian who's been faithful in the service of the Lord, who's given their time and their talents to the cause of Christ that regretted that. There are lots of people that regret not having given of their talents and their time. Paul said we need to redeem the time because the days are evil. The psalmist said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. You better understand that clock's ticking. And one day that clock will stop. And then there's a third thing that the Lord needs and that's, that's our money treasures when it's all said and done it belongs to the Lord doesn't it you know the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof I'm just a steward of my talents I'm just a steward of my time I'm just a steward of my treasures it takes money for the work of the church to go forward doesn't it nothing free in this world not one thing you want to send a missionary around the world? Guess what? It takes money. You want to try to evangelize in this community, in this region, in this state? Guess what? It takes money. When you talk about the Lord's work, it takes money. Now, again, we're talking about voluntary free will offerings. Every first day of the week, we have the opportunity to lay by in store. The funds that we give to the cause of Christ are used to bring honor and glory to God, are they not? Look at it this way. You have the opportunity, the privilege of giving back to the greatest institution, the greatest work on earth. I want you to know something. I'm sold on the church. I'm sold on it. I'm sold on the church right here at Olive Branch. I don't mind saying, I think we've got the best thing going in this county. I believe that. I can't think of another congregation I'd rather be a part of. Not one church. Jared and I talk about it all the time. It's not that we're trying to be arrogant. We just believe in this congregation. We look at the opportunities that are before us, and I promise you, there are so many opportunities. I can't, I can't begin to fathom all of the things that we can do in this community. It's going to take us putting to death that old king called me, myself, and I. What about you tonight? Are you a Christian? If you're not a Christian, could I encourage you to enlist in the Lord's army, to become one of His children. Here's what you need to do. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Repent of your sins, confess His name before others, and be immersed in a watery grave of baptism. Your sins will be washed away, Acts twenty-two sixteen. 16. God will put you in the church, 
And you need to be in the church because the Bible says Jesus is the Savior of that body, Ephesians 5.23. And then be faithful until death and the Lord will bestow on you the crown of life. Maybe you're here and you're not what you ought to be. I want to encourage you to think about recommitting your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we'd be happy to pray with you and for you tonight. There's power in prayer. James said, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. We'd be happy to pray with you tonight so that you might be what you ought to be. Help us make a difference in this community as we stand and sing.